Hello, it's Wednesday the 28th of February. I'm Miranda Sawyer and you know where my no-go area of London is? Westminster. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we try to teach the newspapers some etiquette. But The Guardian keeps boring on about its sex life, The Star is singing to its supper, and The Daily Mail insists on holding its knife like a pen. Or its pen like a knife. What can we do? And it's not quite the end of February yet, which means we're still on our supporters' recruitment drive. We're asking you, the delightful Paper Cuts listeners, to scrabble around the bottom of your handbags for some loose change to keep us out of the clutches of big media. And we're also asking for that that loose change every month so that we can feed our hungry junior producers and keep John Elledge's dog, Henry, in, hang on, gold steak from Salt Bay? <laughs> He's a very fussy eater. <laughs> anyway, if you too feel like supporting us in exchange for ad-free episodes, a special extra funny bit, maybe even a paper cuts mug or a t-shirt, then why not race to the show notes and click on back.papercutsshow.com to see how you too can become a Papercut supporter. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Hugh Surrey now. BBC apologises again to the family of young man in Hugh Edwards' scandal. Taylor 666. Is Taylor Swift a Satanist? We wonder. And hamming it up, angry mum says Peppa Pig is making American kids rude. Welcome to Papercuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we'll only go for lunch if your agent's paying. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me today, it's writer for the New Statesman and NIMBY disdainer, John Elledge. Hi, John. Hello. And making his debut on the show is comedian and host of the fabulous podcast, I Am Prime Minister. It's Matt Richardson. Hello, Matt. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. So, look, what have we got on the front pages today? John, you have the broadsheets. I do, and it's one of those days where like, there's kind of no lead stories that are breaking through. Uh, over in the Times, you've made point, now end protest, says Cleverly, who is getting sick of the, the marches about the war in Gaza and would like them to go away to ease pressure on the police. I don't I don't see that working. I'm, no, I'm I don't think they'll honest. be listening to James. So, oh, are we inconveniencing the police, are we? OK. Um, the Telegraph has UK blocks Macron's bid to send troops to Ukraine. Well, sorry, are we having World War III? And I've only I found this is how I find out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, apparently there's a rift at the top of NATO as France suggests the West could directly enter the conflict. I think I might be with the UK government on that Yeah, one. and Germany as well, mm. on the same side as the UK. The Eye is doing something extremely weird. They've got some polling from uh, Labour Together, which is a Starmer-supporting think tank. Apparently that's the thing that exists. Mm. Uh, which says that Labour has yet to convince 40% of its target voters. Um, as so often with the Eye's politics coverage at the moment, there's something a bit weird about this. Because if you kind of, you look at their numbers, they've got scenario one, which they describe as the realistic scenario. Uh, in this one, all the undecided swing voters, including the ones who voted Labour in 2019, if they all vote Tory, which is not going to happen, yeah. in the event that they do, Labour still has a 13-point lead. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say the Tories win. <laughs> no. No, which raises questions about why it's on the front page. It is really odd. weird. OK, what do you have today, um, Matt? I have the tabloids. Um, I've got the Daily Mails. Obviously, a big spread on the sudden death of Lady Gabriella's husband, uh, which mm. rocks the royal family. And indefensible, despite growing global threats and warnings from military top brass, Chancellor rejects calls to boost forces, funding in budget. Um, the Sun, a little bit more 
a little bit more uh, juicy, obviously. Um, <laughs> Hugh Rao, BBC say sorry to the teen family for the letdown, um, which obviously maybe the son should be saying sorry as well, but that's another that's another discussion. Uh, the Mirror, lots about Hugh as well, um, and a big photo of Prince Andrew looking very smiley yes, at a memorial. Yes, people are not happy about that, are they? No, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you swear on your podcast, but it would be a shit-eating grin they got him a photo <laughs> having. It is the glibbest man on the planet who just looks like he doesn't have a care in the world. I know, and he's at a funeral as well, as what I thought was a bit weird. Well, you know, look, I just think it's 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 a bad look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And finally, uh, the best newspaper in the country, obviously, The Daily Star, my favourite, because it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? We love The um, Star. You know, there's so much going on in the world about war, Prince Andrew, whatever. Swifty's dancing with the devil. Taylor Swift is a Satanist, according to <laughs> Boy's own Shane Lynch. That's their front page story. We Proud will to return to this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, I feel like we should have a really quick look at that Hugh Edwards story because it's on a quite a few front pages. Why has this come up again, John? Uh, basically, the BBC has published its report into its own investigation. This isn't the report on what happens between Hugh Edwards and the and the aforementioned young man. It's a report on how the BBC handled the complaint. Mm. So, so the timeline is on May 18th last year, the parents uh, tried to make a complaint in person, which I imagine they didn't get past the front desk because that's how these things tend to work. They phoned up the complaints department the next day. That day also, they got an email from the BBC uh, asking them for more details. They didn't respond. And about six weeks later, they went to The Sun, who published the story. So, like, it just feels like there are kind of different approaches to, like, how the world should work. It feels like almost a generational thing. Yeah. But the BBC, being the BBC, uh, has spent months and months looking at its own internal processes, not looking at the meat of the claims, just looking at how bits of paper move around the building, just so that it can publish this self-flagellating report months after we've all forgotten the story uh, and get a load of anti-BBC headlines again. It's just mad, isn't it? Will it go on now that there'll then be a report about how all this went as well and then they just get stuck in a kind of BBC bureaucratic nightmare? I mean, that would be a very BBC thing to do. Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. They're just stuck in the sorry loop, aren't oh, they? Oh, I know. Did you just every day just, just do a sorry yeah. and for whatever it is that day and then it's out the way? Now, sorry to say, we have a shocking yet familiar story for you. In The Times, there is a story about UK children's favourite bossy porcine heroine, Peppa Pig. Peppa has been busy corrupting the youth of America. Matt, what has Peppa been doing? Peppa is making American children rude. Yeah. Because Peppa is rude to her dad, mm. and that has made their children absolutely unbearable, apparently, according to a woman. <laughs> <laughs> There's not been there's not been an investigation. This is one lady going, how dare that pig talk the way she talks? And look, we've looked at the woman online and I'm telling you, she makes waitresses cry. It's a guarantee. <laughs> and also, I think children being rude in America is the least of the problems they have over there. You know, school's dangerous, life is dangerous, everything's chaotic. And they're going, she didn't say please. Yeah, exactly. You know. She didn't say please when she picked up my gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because this, to me, seems like a story that keeps popping up. So Peppa Pig is a cartoon that goes out, I mean, essentially aimed at kind of two to four-year-olds, I'd mm. say, and every parent uses Peppa Pig at some point. It's just a standard thing. You plot your, your, your kid in front of YouTube. I mean, maybe some people don't do this, but, you know, every kid is aware of Peppa Pig, and Peppa's just quite feisty. 
Occasionally, you know, in one incident where they mentioned it, they said, okay, she went on the phone to Susie Sheep Mm. and she said to Susie Sheep, I can't whistle, and she tried, and then Susie Sheep could whistle, and Pepper immediately put the phone down in a huff, right? And this was presented as an example of bad behaviour. Sounds like Pepper's girl-bossing it. (laughs) (laughs) Pepper sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think, is this where we've gotten to, you remember, you know, when I was younger, it was video games were making our children more violent, and then we've moved on now to going, Pepper Pig is making them a bit rude. Things feel like they're getting better. Like, that's a minor problem. It is a minor Just problem. Just let them watch Bluey. Bluey's lovely. That's true, actually. You know, they if you've got, got a problem... they haven't. I don't think Bluey's got to America. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Fine. Anyway, I have to say, so the, the, the ladies that are complaining, it is Sarah from Utah, 44. She says she's a little snotty about Pepper, which is true, and she's sometimes not nice to her friends or her brother, and that would be snidey. Essentially... These people, some of whom are respectful parent educators, just say they don't like her attitude. They don't want to um, be modelling that behaviour for their children. Yeah. This mum just sounds like no fun, basically, because then a woman from Texas, uh, Kayla, says, some argue that Pepper is just like any other four-year-old. I think that's probably true. Four-year-olds can be rude, demanding and whiny. It's just reality. Yeah. You know, you want these perfect little children and you think, oh, well, Pepper will make them that. It's laziness on the parents' part. You make your child polite, not the TV. Well, to be honest, yeah, it is laziness. Peppa Pig is definitely the lazy parents' option and I have taken it. Peppa Pig is like an au pair, basically, (laughs) isn't she? She really is. I've been to Peppa Pig World. Have you? I have, yes. And it's actually, in, uh, like, it's not bad. Where is it? Oh, somewhere on the south coast. It's okay. all right. You know, it's it's okay. There are people wandering around dressed as Pepper and George. That's the best bit. How yeah. do they deal with the third dimension? How do you mean? Well, Peppa Pig is like, like it's it's very two-dimensional, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, yeah. like the, the noses kind of stick out a weird angle like Picasso. How do you deal with that in an actual That's costume? That's such a good point. <laughs> Yeah, there aren't two eyes on one side. No, no, you don't walk behind Pepper. Don't walk behind Pepper. You don't want to see what's back there. Now, here at Paper Cuts, we love our headlines. We like pithy and hard-hitting. We like splashy and ridiculous. And most of all, we like to pun. So let's have a look at what we've got today. John, what can you give us? Well, as everyone knows, the Daily Star is proud to love animals. Mm. And all my stories, I think, are animal-based this week, which is exciting. Uh, So firstly, there's a lovely picture of a turkey vulture called Harold, who spent a day roaming the skies after escaping from his zoo during a display. Um, I didn't didn't actually know. Oh, turkey vulture. I I didn't know turkeys could fly. (laughs) (laughs) Turkey vultures are different. Uh, Anyway, he's quite... I, I would say he's quite... He has a certain quality. Yeah, for say. a vulture, he's quite cute. Yeah, I would say as a vulture, as vultures go, he's positively cuddly. Mm, uh, anyway, it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, the, he's lovely. The headline, uh, this happened at Woodham Ferris in Essex, by the way. The headline is Turkin for a Ride. Turkin for a I'm Ride. not convinced, but it's really just an excuse to run the picture, isn't it? It is, definitely. <laughs> well, they do love running pictures of birds, don't <laughs> they, the tabloids? <laughs> Beneath that, they've also got a picture of, um, no, I'm not going to say that, it's a picture of a cat. Um, <laughs> this, is actually, this is actually a very sad story. Um, cat charities are overwhelmed with thousands of unwanted moggies. Oh, no. And uh, they're urging Brits to get their pets neutered and to adopt more rescue animals. I would adopt this kitten. I would, I would love to have this kitten in the house bullying Henry Scampy. Anyway, the headline is Not So Smitten Kittens. Oh, oh. I'd play a little tiny violin, but I don't have one. <laughs> Uh, and then, um, bloody hell, there's so many. It's bloody... Oh, fucking hell, this story. 
A dog owner has trained her pet pooch to react to Harry Potter spells, including Accio to recall him. This is good! Superfan Audriana Lee, 33, has spent the last three years putting her Labradoodle cross, inevitably named Dobby, right through his owl exams to become the ultimate wizarding companion. There's pictures of him in, like, Rose and, like, the... You'll be pleased to know that the dog's in fucking Gryffindor, obviously. <laughs> Anyway, this makes me so embarrassed to be a millennial. The headline is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fur. I think Lovely. this is good. I think it's good. What, what Surely, is wrong with it? I would have it? gone with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> like, that would have been better. Do you think you can do like the unforgivable curse and the dog plays dead? Yes, exactly. Well, no, you can do the unforgivable curse, but it's with an XL bully. That's the issue. <laughs> okay, Matt, you have the sun. I do have the sun. Uh, so the first one is uh, comeback ticket flop. Eternal's big car park comeback gig has been scrapped after poor ticket sales. Oh. Uh, so they've cancelled this gig. Um, it's uh, you know been a bit, been a big, big struggle for them to sell tickets. And the headline is, I want to be the only one in the audience. <laughs> Which That's is, look, good. as someone that has done some very poorly selling stand-up tours, I really feel for them. That is a brutal headline. So it does make a mockery in the name Eternal, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's been a lot of controversy around. Um, obviously, you know, Louise Redknapp's gone on to very big things, but uh, the other uh, members have had lots of controversial comments and things happening yeah. over the last few years. And I just think they were never that big in the first place, Eternal, were they? Compared to some of the other girl groups, they were sort of, you know, if you couldn't get tickets to Spice Girls or All Saints, you'd go to Eternal. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know. yeah. And then finally, I have... Designers have invented a beer belly-shaped glass so that ale can be savoured in three different ways. The wonky vessel has a straight back and front, but one side curves in while the other bulges out. It was created for a Japanese brewing giant so they could have three different mouthfeels for what? their beer. Uh, because apparently the curve of the glass really affects how the beer feels in your mouth. Uh, and the headline is, let's go out on a bender. Because I guess the glasses. I mean, I have to say, let's go out on a bender. Basically, that's just the British way, isn't yeah, it? I mean, you don't I, need any of this stuff. Just put, let's go out on a bender. And I was is, looking for it. a pun. I was like, that's just a text message you get, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's, it's not that much of a story. It's just what people want to do. Now, on the front page of the star is a story to chill the blood. Taylor Swift, the most powerful woman on the actual planet who's a pop singer, is apparently in league with the devil. The star says this, so it must be true. John, who is actually accusing Taylor of being a Satanist? Can I just say, how the hell did I get the Taylor Swift? <laughs> you love her. Where's Gronya? So um, the person accusing her of this is Shane Lynch from Boyzone. Mm who, uh, your excellent note says, the one who isn't Ronan Keating and looks like a tattooed wardrobe, which is a great description <laughs> of um, Shane uh, is a born-again Christian. Mm. He's running a perfume shop in Ballymena called Amen. Amen! <laughs> uh, and uh, he was speaking on a premier Christian radio podcast. Mm. Uh, he said that the music industry is a danger to society this is a quote. I think when you're looking at a lot of the artists out there, a lot of their stage shows are satanic rituals live in front of 20,000 people without them realising and recognising. You'll see a lot of hoods up and masks on and fire ceremonies. Wow. Uh, he goes on to say, you watch one of her shows and she has two or three different demonic rituals to do with the pentagrams on the ground, all sorts of stuff on stage. And he also called Beyonce and Sam Smith so demonic it's unbelievable. <laughs> 
it seems to me that, like, I don't know, if you were performing like Taylor Swift or mm. indeed Beyonce or, or Sam Smith and you've got kind of lines on the ground, that might be just for where your dancers need to go. Almost Do you know what definitely. I mean? It's very complicated. I just is. can't believe that Shane Lynch is still thinking about playing to 20,000 people because I don't think that's happened for him for many years. Like, <laughs> no, really it's, not. It, This comes across all the time. And I think because Taylor Swift is in such a big position in the world, people are always going to come up with so many conspiracy theories around her. Yeah. You know, there's lots of things about her um, maybe being in a relationship with one of her best friends uh, who's a model, like, they, and they are sending secret messages and all her fans think she sends secret messages through her songs. Like, we've just gone a bit Taylor Swift mad and we all just need to take a step back, I think. Yeah. I mean, by the same logic, if you, if you were Satan and you're thinking about your marketing strategy then Taylor is probably quite a good vessel for your message. That's true. Yeah. Like, you are more likely to go to Taylor than you are, say, Shane Lynch, formerly of Boyzone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, like, it just means he's a better music manager than God, by the sounds of it. He's just got a better <laughs> eye for talent. Because there's not many born-again Christians who are at the level of Taylor Swift, whereas they're all Satanists, the big ones. Yeah, there's, I mean, around this, there is also, there are other people that are accusing of Satanism. Some kind of weirdo minister on TikTok. He's got a great name, though. He's called... Tyler Scroggins, oh, which is definitely lovely. it's Harry Potter, isn't it? It's yes. like a Harry Potter name for someone on Voldemort's side, anyway. Well, it's a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we've we've been here before. Like a decade ago, Katy Perry was accused of being in league with Satan. Her 2013 single "Dark Horse" had a sort of uh, an ancient Egyptian themed video, full of like Illuminati imagery, in which she was, you know turning suitors into dogs and that sort of thing. Uh, and then at the, the Grammys the next year, like she emerged from a, a bubble into a smoke-filled landscape full of dead trees while her backing dancers wore horns and robes and danced around with brooms. Like the, the, like she was leaning in, to be yeah. fair. Um, but InfoWars wrote this up straight with the headline, Illuminati priestess conducts witchcraft ceremony in front of the entire world. This is so good. Oh. It's so goth, isn't it? I mean, I'm, it's unbelievable. I, I, I mean, look, let, maybe this is... just. Let's embrace Satan. Like maybe that's what we need to do because then the big stars will be the religious, like the God-loving stars. You know, as soon as Satanism becomes normal, then Taylor Swift can be controversial and be all loving and innocent. I and think. it'll be Shane Lynch's well, moment. Shane Lynch, <laughs> Shane Lynch will have the comeback he desires. <laughs> Shane Lynch's sisters were both in Bewitched, by the way. Bewitched, bewitched. Now, in all the papers is a story about the pub called The Crooked House. If you remember, The Crooked House fell down a few months back, which makes me think I'm actually in a nursery rhyme, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what has been happening? So it's an 18th century crooked house. It's a pub uh, in Himley near Dudley and it was sold to new owners in July 2023. Mm. It caught fire on the 5th of August 2023. Just what a after, shame. Yep. Uh, basically, um, they've knocked down the pub after the fire. Uh, they'd applied for planning permission to build houses in the car park that was declined and they are told they have to build the pub back brick by brick. I love this. <laughs> The really fun thing about it is like the whole thing with a crooked house is like it's at an angle. Yeah. That's going to be quite hard to replicate. And they have to get it exactly right. You have people, there will be crowds watching, won't there? I mean, it's just really obvious because everyone's really exercised about this. Yeah, people get so angry about this. I find it really fascinating. Like, you know, the whole NIMBY thing. I know that, you know, you're very passionate about this. And I think... Fucking hate them. Yeah, (laughs) me too. And I just think it's nothing to do with you. Just get a grip. Mm, Like, I do find that quite annoying when people go... Because it... It sounds like the pub wasn't doing well. They weren't supporting the pub, so it got sold. 
and yeah. now they love the pub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, do, I, I am kind of weirdly on the fence about this because on the one hand, like, these, these developers do want to turn it into flats and I am pro-flat. I think we should have more housing. The pub, as you say, yep. clearly wasn't a going concern. So, so like, you know, I feel like I should be on the pro-housing side. But on the other hand, this is really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing, seeing bad things happen to rich people is just always delightful. It's just quite funny, isn't it? It's just really big Lego. You know, like a very frustrating kind of Lego pack yeah. where it just takes a really, really long time and they're going to have to do that. I All know. The instructions. Like, well, actually, it was um, it was quite dangerous. Do you have to be? Yeah, it's got to be dangerous again. Uh, <laughs> everything that was wrong with it has to be wrong with it. This is, I think there's so many issues and you, you'll know better than me about the planning regulations and things in this country. Like maybe they could have just turned that into a house or some flats within the pub. Like that would have been a simpler thing to do. They could have moved it. Like they do, they did that in Manchester. It was like a really old pub, and they just like it, they wanted to build some stuff, so they just moved the pub, like you know, oh, yeah. a people, few meters. People were still complaining. People were complaining about anything. Yeah, that's true. Well, I live in a, I live in a what is basically a new village, right? Mm. That they've built in Oxfordshire. Um, I mean, it's a housing estate in a field, but everyone calls it a village. And it's so no one's been there longer than five or six years, right? When they started it, I moved there last year. They're currently building another like hundred houses, and the people that moved there five years ago are going, well, it's getting too big now, and you're like, you. <laughs> You can't have it both ways. And I think that is the problem. That's what this gets to the crux of, is that people, they didn't want to use the pub, but they don't want anything else there. Like, it, they just need to get over I'm, it. I'm no, but I can, I can top this. There is a power station somewhere in, I think, Lincolnshire, which is currently under threat, and NIMBYs have mobilised to protect their power station. That's so mad. If you try to build a new power station, they would mobilise to stop it. It's just people who do not want any change whatsoever. And we should, like, every time someone tries to block a housing proposal, their name should be entered into a lottery. And if their name comes out of the lottery, we are building the houses on their garden. <laughs> that should be the rule. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Matt. Thanks very much. And of course, thanks to you, the bestest listeners in the whole world, especially our Paper Cuts supporters who get a shout out on the show. John, who have you got? Uh, it's hello and thank you from me to Madhavi Jampani and the mysterious Ms. A. Tate. It's hi and you're great to Stuart Charlesworth and Richard McCall. And it's hiya, and thank God you're here, to Chris Thompson and James Forrester. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when The Guardian reveals that more women may be psychopaths than previously thought, as female psychopathic traits are more subtle. How are you feeling, <laughs> John? Matt? I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> See you tomorrow. Papercuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Ellidge and Matt Richardson. The producer was Jacob Jarvis with assistant production by Adam Wright. Music and audio production was by me, Simon Williams. Socials were by Kieran Leslie. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis. And the executive producer was Martin Boytosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. Papercuts.